What is up, EOS Universe? I'm back here today with Rob Finch, and we've got a great show for you today. We talk the upcoming launches of EOS Finex and Liquid DApps. We talk the NFT marketplace on Scatter and some decentralized social media. Everything EOS is made possible by my core sponsor, Cypherglass. Please vote for Cypherglass using your favorite wallet or block explorer. Welcome back to the longest running EOS podcast, Everything EOS. We're here with a big number 50, episode 50. We're almost, we've almost done a uh, year of episodes now. Pretty exciting. Um, in case you missed us last week, we put out a bunch of the Scatter series episodes and that three-part series is now complete. If you haven't already, please check that out. Uh, but we're happy to be back. Happy that uh, my eyesight is fixed. We had a little bit of an issue where I had a, what's called an ocular migraine and actually lost vision in one of my eyes and couldn't record or look at bright lights um, that we used to film. So we're happy to be back this week and uh, very thankful that I can see. So everything's good. I went to the eye doctor. It all checked out. I, uh, but, uh, I, I blame Ethereum. <laughs> right, exactly. I tried to use uh, Ethereum and uh, my eye went haywire, you know. But uh, we got a lot happening. Um, I guess to, to start it off with EOS name service, uh, where you can get a custom EOS account name that's less than 12 characters. We have some exciting news uh, coming out of there. We are now available in the Token Pocket wallet, in Meet One wallet, and soon in the Nova and Math wallet. And we're also working on a, a pretty deep uh, EOS links integration as well. But what I'm most excited about at the EOS name service is that we are integrating right now with .com, .eos, .io, .games, wow. .game singular, .bank, .net, .ex, and Ooh. even some others that we haven't announced yet. So there are a huge amount of names coming to eosnameservice.io very soon. If you want to get your own name and save 5%, click on the link in the description of this video and uh, you can check out everything that we have. So I've been seeing a lot of these names showing up on leaderboards in all kinds of different games from, from Pixios yeah. Paint to EOS Knights. It's really cool. I see, I saw Rob.VR somewhere, I think it was probably on the Paint game. I'm not sure where That's you're using me, that. yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I've been seeing them everywhere. All, all of the different content creators like uh, EOS Raider Kenny and then um, Crypto Tim uses one too. So it's, it's really cool everyone's gotten behind this because it's just such a simple idea, but it, it, it's great because not every name or account name you want is going to be 12 characters. Exactly. So, so you solved a major pain point. Um, but I have a question for you because I've never actually auction, tried uh, doing the daily name auction on the system contract. So I'm not familiar with like what the typical bids are. Have you noticed since you started this name service that the bids have gone up and there's been more action on the daily auctions? Yeah, they have gone up and it's been hard to tell if that's because of EOS name service or just because, you know, the market's coming back and, and people are more excited to come in and bid on more names. But the average sale price right now is, uh, I think, around 20,000 EOS per short name. So if you wanted wow. to buy a new short name like .ok or something like that, you would have to put up uh, roughly 20,000 EOS. And of course, it depends on the name, depends on how many people are outbidding you. Uh, the most expensive name was .com, which went for 150,000 EOS oh back when EOS was God. at $10. So they spent about a million and a half dollars on that name. And we're super, super excited that that is coming to EOS Name Service very, very soon. And, and fortunately, EOS Name Service takes those really expensive names and then you can register one for much cheaper. Uh, some are even less than one EOS for name. Some are a few EOS. Depends on which name. But if you search, you can see all the prices based on length. Yeah, I was going to ask you, that was going to be my follow-up question was, like, yeah. what is the price for one of these cu custom suffixes? And th that's so expensive. So the average person would have never been able to to or or want to afford the these like shortened names but what you're doing is you're basically decentralizing the domain so you could have any name that fits before the period 
with exactly like if if i wanted the name just rob on eos it wouldn't make any sense for me to spend 20 30 40 000 eos which is now you know over a hundred thousand dollars just for that name for me to use instead it would make more sense for me to register something like com for example and then get rob.com and have the ability to make any other names that i wanted or sell those to other people so it it really is way more accessible now so if you want your name eosnameservice.io click the link below for five percent off and uh let us know what name you got all right, so we got a lot of bullish news to go through, so let's continue. Yeah. EOS Phoenix is coming soon. So uh, how do you say his name? Paolo from uh, Paolo? Paolo, I believe. Paolo yeah. from Bitfinex. He's their CTO. Uh, he put out a tweet recently saying that they're progressing steadily. They're finishing uh, the UI. And on February 16th, he posted a tweet saying that the public beta testnet is coming in two or three weeks. Um, and then even more recently, he posted a tweet with our, uh, that linked to a, a blog post with a tutorial uh, that showed how the WebSockets are used within um, the EOS Phoenix nodes. And it was very interesting because one point uh, really stood out to me whenever reading through this documentation, and I'm not claiming to understand everything 100%, but it shows what the, uh, the, the, the calls are to, to the EOS Phoenix, and it, it has a a piece of text above it and says, looks pretty familiar to our API v2 messages, doesn't it? Which means it's the exact same formatting as the current like centralized API calls whenever uh, tapping into like the order books of Bitfinex. So if I'm running a a trading bot, for example, I'm tapping into the API v2 at Bitfinex so that I could run all my trades programmatically rather than using the the front end interface that, that a casual user would use. So the fact that the data is formatted in the exact same way, I'm, no one's told me this, uh, but I predict that the EOS Finex order books are going to be tied into the same liquidity pool as Bitfinex, the, the centralized version of the exchange. Ooh, man, I hope so. If you think like, there are plenty of decentralized exchanges today, right? We don't have a shortage. We have Nudex, we have Dexios, we have uh, EOSX, I think is what it's called. There are a bunch of them, and really Nudex is the main one that gets all the liquidity. But the biggest problem that we have today is that lack of liquidity. There, There isn't the billions of dollars in trading volume on any decentralized exchange that exists on centralized exchanges like Bitfinex. So if you're right, if they can somehow combine those liquidity pools, get all the trading bots using the DEX in the same way they're using the SEX, uh, centralized exchange, um, it, it will do huge things for the decentralized exchange space. So I hope you're right, and I think you might be. I mean, I, I invite any developer, um, P- Peter K, if you're watching this, uh, dig into the Sunbeam uh, GitHub. Yeah. I- I'll put a link in the description. And the Sunbeam is the open source code that Bitfinex is providing to, I, I think, work with ES- ESFinex. And diving through that documentation was, was kind of where I saw some of the similarities uh, on top of the uh, little hint that was given to us. I mean, I think... It was intentional that they gave us that hint. Most people probably missed it. I'm the only one like looking through this with a fine tooth comb and speculating on everything. But I can't think, unless it's regulatory, I can't think of a good reason to not combine liquidity pools. Because if you think about it, I could be tapping into ES Finex order books from my scatter wallet. I could put in a a, a market or a limit order, whatever I want to do. And if it ends up matching my order with uh, someone using the centralized version of the Bitfinex exchange, what do I, as long as I hold custody of my token, and then whenever the swap happens, I get custody back of whatever token I was trying to buy, 
it's no different than me using my own account where I own my own keys and transacting with Bitfinex. It, it's yeah. just Bitfinex would be acting as a proxy on behalf of its own user who it's uh, doing custody for. So I, I, I could, if this doesn't happen at release, I 100% think it's on their roadmap because there's no reason to not create a shared liquidity pool. And I would love to see, I, I, I don't know enough about EOS Phoenix, but I would love to see a way for all DEXs to tap into this liquidity pool. Could you imagine if like a, a new DEX Oof. could actually tap into this liquidity pool? Um, wow, and just collect a fee. It, it makes a ton of sense. I mean, Sunbeam is, is that thing that I think a lot of people forget about. I think it's a, a JavaScript library or something mm -hmm. like that. I may be misspeaking, um, but essentially allows people to integrate in some kind of way. So it, it's totally possible and, and very, very exciting that, you know, can you imagine just like EOS had close to, to $2 billion in 24-hour trading volume the other day across all exchanges? It, imagine when we hit $100 million trading on a DEX and then a $1 billion in a day trading on a DEX. I think more and more of the industry will move there, and EOS Finex really seems to be leading the way right now. Well, I, I think if they have, and I don't know if it's their number one objective to completely decentralize their current customer audience, but hopefully we'll get more participation on the referendums and voting and staking and actually using your tokens if Bitfinex puts out their, their official EOS exchange. It, it's kind of like um, we hear these uh, rumors and speculation on this group of individuals who aren't using EOS because they're waiting for the official block one wallet as if the ones we have aren't good enough. I'm not, uh, I'm not sold on that 100% one way or the other. I'm sure there are people like that. I don't know how many, but we could also assume that there's probably, if not a lot of people, there's definitely a subset of people who are going to trust the EOS Finex and, and hopefully swap over. And we've seen tools like definitely. Scatter Bridge and what um, like the EOS Bet and EOS Dice casinos are trying to do with like onboarding to kind of uh, hold hands uh, to create an EOS account. And then they could eventually like take over the ownership of the account and the keys. Uh, so I'm excited. Um, speaking of Scatter, I mentioned them a few times. They, we, we had them on the uh, developer series. We talked about them a little bit, but they responded to Paulo's tweet because they were excited because it, the, I guess EOS Phoenix is the first uh, dApp that's using um, the local socket connection for wallets through the, th through the command line interface. So I'm not building dApps. That means a lot less to me than it might to some of our listeners, <laughs> but I'm excited that, that Nathan and Rami are excited because those are two yeah. legit guys. Um, they're building great tools. And it, it sounds like they had something built that they were really excited for people to use, but no one's gotten uh, to an advanced state of application yet where they needed to use it. Uh, and we're going to see it. So I'm, I'm happy to see that, but I'm even more excited to see uh, this Scatter Marketplace that's launching. So you want to uh, tell everyone about that one, Rob? Yeah, so this is building on top of that DGood standard that we all announced in, in partnership with Scatter and Mythical Games and Token Pocket and so many other people now have sort of come on and, and become a part of that project. But Scatter is taking it a step further on their own by building an NFT marketplace. So you can imagine once games like Blankos that are using the DGood standard launch, once other games like EOS Knights convert to the DGood standards and ITM Games is talking about using it, once all of these people are using the same digital token standard for both fungible and non-fungible tokens, you know, you, you kind of need a place to sell those tokens. If I have a, a rare sword in a game that I want to sell, or if I get a rare Blanco and I want to sell that to somebody else, I really need a place to go to sell that. And it looks like Scatter has actually announced that they are building this NFT, this digital goods marketplace, where anybody will be able to sell any NFT from, or any fungible token even also, uh, from any game using the DGood standard. So I'm super excited to see it. And I feel like all of these cool concepts that we've been talking about over the last few months, 
um, and, and weeks really since the DGood standard launched are now kind of coming to fruition and kind of being built to really show the power of the standard and also the power of EOS. So I'm very, very excited for it. I can't wait to be buying and selling and trading <laughs> digital items. I, I, I think one of the most exciting things is Scatter is already being used by 11 of the top wallets, you, you, you name them, Lynx, Token Pocket, all of them. They're all already using Scatter.js in the back end. So yeah. as soon as this marketplace is released, it's actually instantly able to be integrated in every mobile wallet because they're already using the, the same library. So it, it's just up to the wallets themselves if they want to integrate this feature or not, for the same reason that um, there are certain applications that you, you can't use like EOS Lynx for, but you can use Token Pocket. But um, it, it's going to be really easy for them. Let's just say that. Um, Absolutely. We, we keep, NFTs uh, never seemed so exciting until that D-Goods news. I don't know if I just wasn't I paying attention because we didn't have a solution, so no one was uh, talking about it. But it seems well, like... Yeah, I think what, what was really happening was all of these different teams were working on their own D-Good solution, but nobody had sort of come and said, hey, we should make a standard. And then Rudy at Mythical Games reached out and said, hey, we're working on this. Who else is? And I put them in touch with the Pixios team and some other people that were all trying to build you know, the same digital good standard. And they're now basically all working together, which is why I think so much has happened so quickly, because now we have all of these teams, instead of building their own projects, are all you know working together on this one standard. So it's been so cool to see. It's kind of the, the power of the EOS community. Yeah, and that's one of my favorite parts about doing this podcast is we, we talk about all these tools. I, I, I'm pretty sure everyone developing things has heard of D-Goods at this point, but I yeah. like naming the tools that kind of haven't gone EOS mainstream yet and helping people save time and efficiency with their development process because these tools are available that are solving problems that are all trying to be solved individually in these silos. And it doesn't have to be like that. There, there's tools like, uh, not tools, there's standards like D-Goods, there's tools like D-Fuse, there's all kinds of things that if you, uh, EOS uh, Studio, the IDE, if yeah. you know about them, you're gonna use them and you're gonna save time and you're gonna love them and then you're gonna tell the next person about it who's gonna tell the next person. And that's kind of how uh, we reach a network effect. Um, and we always talk about reaching network effect and mass uh, network adoption, but you mentioned the name earlier, Mythical Games, and I'm gonna bring up yeah. the game, Blankos. Wanna explain uh, the upcoming event? Yeah, so they, of course, you know, Mythical Games announced Blancos at, what was it, the, the Gamer Choice Awards, I think, in front of, you know, three mm -hmm. million people or something on national television in the U.S. So they already started out, you know, coming out with a bang with that launch trailer. But now it looks like at South by Southwest, which is one of the biggest sort of, you know, film and music and media and gaming, this sort of interactive media festivals uh, in the U.S., um, it looks like they are going to be hosting a specific part of that. They'll be hosting the South by Southwest Gaming Opening Party, um, and we'll actually have Questlove, if you're not familiar with him <laughs> as an artist. Questlove is a very popular musician. He'll be there sort of doing a DJ set, performing, and I guess they'll be integrating Blancos in some way. Um, I am a little jealous of the people that are going, because they also mentioned that they'll be passing out physical Blancos card decks. And um, on those, you'll have something you can scan or some kind of a code. And then before the Blancos game actually launches, you'll be able to, you know, sort of import that unique character and claim that D-Goods NFT for that Blanco. So people are going to get some pretty exclusive characters that are there. Uh, I, I hope we get to see what those card decks actually look like. It's pretty depressing to me that these uh, random people, these random gamers who may or may not have ever touched a blockchain are going to have an EOS NFT before I do. 
<laughs> I think that's it's depressing in that way, but it's also it, incredibly it's exci exciting yeah. in that way. Yeah, in the best way. Th these are people. Absolutely, they they probably haven't heard of EOS before. Maybe they don't even know what a blockchain is or how it works. But now they'll have the opportunity to own a unique asset on the EOS mainnet in the form of that Blanco. And then if they want, they can go to the scatter marketplace and sell it to someone else or trade it for a different item. So this is really the mass adoption we've been talking about. And this is the first little piece of that, of them hosting this South by Southwest gaming opening party. So if you happen to be in Austin, Texas for this event, I believe our community manager at Cypherglass, Adriana, will be there. I'm gonna have her swing by, hopefully pick up a few cards. But if you're gonna be there, be sure to stop by. Uh, who knows what they may announce at this opening party. So it's been a really long time since we've uh, done any Dan quoting from either Telegram or Twitter. <laughs> uh, it, it's been crazy. In 2019, it's been the year of the Brendan Bloomer. He, he's yeah. been the, the vocal executive from Block One who, who's been speaking and getting everyone in the uh, EOS universe confused with millions of questions. <laughs> uh, but, but we love Dan. Uh, I'll, I'll ask you, before I get into this, Never mind. I was going to ask you if you like Dan or Brendan better. <laughs> I can't answer. I love them both the same. <laughs> but it, it, it was a breath of fresh air to see Dan pop up on, on Twitter after not really uh, being too active over the past couple weeks. And he asked the question, what if you could decentralize social media more than steam it? The future of social media is thousands of blockchains under independent governance coordinating with interchain communication behind a seamless user experience. So I love talking social media. I love reading about Dan's thoughts on social media more than anything, but it, it jarred my memory. We, we've been talking about this Virginia Tech stuff for a while now. The very first time Dan talked at Virginia Tech, I, I watched his uh, keynote on YouTube, and I, th this quote stands out to me constantly because he was asked, how do we reach uh, mass adoption? And I'm, I'm going to play the answer for you, and this is at least the eighth or ninth time we've played this on the show because it, it's, it's so critical and it ties in with this tweet. How do we get to mass adoption? What are the obstacles? <laughs> well, you have to create a system that's so viral in its own right that people will adopt it without, uh, without being forced to adopt it. You create a new system and you move to the new system. So you create a social media platform that everyone wants to be a part of and it can govern itself so well that uh, people want to use the social media governance for more things and it just creeps into use naturally versus saying, hey, let's tear down the old and replace it with the new. You, you have to organically create something that can live within the current environment and make the older uh, techniques uh, redundant and eventually unnecessary. I, I love the idea of using social media as a Trojan horse to achieve a governance model within a small, smaller group. Um, I'll explain why that makes sense to me in a little bit once we get through our next topic. But uh, yeah, maybe I have I, a, a, a theory on this on how sort of this social media network might look. This is, of course, pure speculation, but based on things that have been released in the past. And I think the key with all of this is that quote, he says, interchain communication behind a seamless user experience. And it has to be seamless. The user doesn't have to you know, or the user shouldn't have to jump from blockchain to blockchain and, and sort of have to manage keys. It should be a totally seamless user experience, just like that of a centralized app. But what I think they might be building based on him saying thousands of blockchains under independent governance is something very similar to Diaspora. Now, Diaspora, if you're not familiar, was this sort of semi-decentralized independent pod social network that tried to launch many, many years ago, I believe, 
five or six years ago, now is under diasporafoundation.org if you wanna take a look at the current state of the project, um, but it's not built on blockchains. Essentially the concept was anybody can launch their own pod and spin up kind of a mini local social network on your own server. You can invite people to it, you know, those people can uh, interact with you under your own set of rules, under your own set of standards, whatever you want on that specific sort of local social media network that you control, you could implement. And this to me sounds like kind of a much, much better user experience because Diaspora got a lot of criticisms for, you know, being hard to set up a server and it was weird to jump between the different pods and it, it didn't make a whole lot of sense from user experience perspective. But, you know, the folks over at Block One with Dan and Brendan and all the talented people they have could be building this seamless user experience where instead of spinning up your own pod where you sort of live in this social media bubble, you could spin up your own little EOSIO blockchain connected to the EOS mainnet that then you run this social media network on with your own governance rules, with your own you know free speech rules, whatever you want it to be. So that's kind of my theory is this may be a blockchain-based version of Diaspora that lets anybody and everybody spin up their own little network very seamlessly. So you kind of already went into it because it sounds similar to Diaspora the way you described it, but coincidentally enough, and I don't know if it was before the tweet was posted or after the tweet was posted because Larry Sanger, uh, yeah. the, the, one of the co-founders of Wikipedia, he's on the executive team of Everipedia, the decentralized Wikipedia building uh, a global encyclopedia on EOSIO. He wrote an interesting article that was also uh, in relation to decentralized social media. I thought it was pretty interesting and I actually just finished uh, recording a video today on Wednesday for the Cypherglass channel about this. So by the time you're watching this, that video may actually be up on the Cypherglass YouTube channel if you wanna take a look. But we can kind of run through the five things. Um, it's same, similar to, to how I did in that video here. Uh, Larry basically outlined, hey, we all want to decentralize social media. Here are five things that would make it easier for any developer to kind of assist in that. And the first is open data standards or protocols, you know, the way you transmit the data. Um, we need those things. We need somebody to build that kind of open standard. You could even argue that EOS in some ways as you know, a, a data transmission mechanism could be one of those standards. But moving beyond that, publishing and storage platforms, this could be IPFS, this could be Privios, which we're a part of at Cypherglass of building a private data storage network. You need some way to store all of these different things, whether they're tweets or Facebook posts or images or, or whatever it might be. Um, but then in order to read that information, you need feed readers. You know, uh, everybody on um, existing websites today has what's called an RSS feed. And RSS is kind of a standard that allows you to pull a content feed from a blog or a YouTube playlist or whatever it may be and display it somewhere else. And if we add that, you can imagine all the different ways in which you could, you could display this new social media data in another app or in some other kind of uh, browser or something like that. Um, but to take it a step further, and this is the part that really excited me the most. He talks about a social media browser plugin. And if you think about reasons why new social media networks like Diaspora, for example, never got popular, it's because they never really reached a network effect. They never hit a point where they said, hey, we have 10 million users, we now have a critical mass, where it makes sense for more people to join because there are more people that they can talk to here. But right now, if all of your friends are on Twitter and on Facebook or Instagram, you really don't have an incentive to join a new network where you have zero friends and maybe even you know zero users actually using that platform. So it's kind of a chicken and egg scenario. So what Larry Sanger was proposing in this, in this blog post was that you build a social media extension that allows you to sort of overlay this decentralized network onto existing ones. So I can use Twitter as I would normally use Twitter, but I can install this browser 
browser plugin, and all of my content can also be posted on the decentralized version and sort of seamlessly flow in my, uh, you know, with all of the other tweets that I see in my feed. So it's kind of this interesting way of, you know, getting around the network effect by piggybacking off of an existing platform's network effect and allowing people to overlay or sort of integrate their decentralized posts there. And then finally would be social media feed exporters or APIs, basically a way to take all of that software, take that feed that you are publishing in Twitter or somewhere else and allow you to publish it, you know, elsewhere. So you could say, hey, I know you don't have a Twitter account. I know you don't have a decentralized Twitter account, but you can still follow what I'm doing by you know, entering your email and subscribing to this list or going to this website and, and seeing everything I post. So those were kind of the five main things that he outlined. But of course, that social media browser plugin is uh, I think the most developed idea out of all of them and the one that excites me the most. So I'm excited because it kind of put on, I don't want to say paper, it, it put into words like concepts that you may have come up in your own little shower coin scenarios, but like tying it all together right. in a cohesive way just makes so much sense. So let's walk through this as an example and let's pretend um, like Facebook and Twitter are two different like decentralized uh, social networks using the same standardized data feed. So what that would mean is they would come up, it's just like the NFT standard. They come up in RSS feeds as they currently are. You have standard things. So account name could be like the variable account name post could be post it's, it's using these standard uh terms and, and and calls to the to the network of how to um query send and receive data so if, if you think about how these uh networks could use the same like some of the same data but also be decentralized you could set your own rules your own it's hard to think of it as governance but let's right. say Twitter's only governance rule is that they want to limit messages to 128 characters. Nothing else matters. They have one rule. So they basically, they query the entire uh, social network standardized feed of data on this blockchain. And they say, just give me all the posts with messages below 128 characters. That's a governance mechanism right there. It doesn't have to always be all complicated, like like when we talk about these referendums and, and all this other stuff. It could be something so simple. The only yeah. rule I have is that you have to have a profile image. Oh, that's a great rule. So on the, the profile image variable, there's got to be a picture there, else we're not going to show their uh, messages on our network. And you, you think of a... Sorry. No, go ahead. And... Like you think of it like a blog feed. That's exactly how a blog feed is. I, if, if I'm posting to Medium, I can give any website my RSS feed and they could plug it into a widget somewhere on their site and my data is going to show. Even if whoever built that widget wasn't building it for the Medium RSS feed, they're building it for some other RSS feed. But because there's a data standard, just like NFT, because there's a data standard, it solves all of the, these problems with interoperability because they're all using the same calls, just like the EOS Finex. When I talked about the API calls, how they were the same as they were with Bitfinex, that's how you integrate systems. You, 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 make, you make them talk to each other in the same way, no matter uh, what piece of software they're using. Um, we, we've talked about these issues with the history nodes. Um, so the issue with the history nodes are that there's only five BPs running the, the legacy version, and there's a lot of dApps that are relying on them. And then we have new, more efficient, better tools, but arguably a little bit more centralized in something like Defuse. The reason that if you built your dApp on the legacy history node, you can't just switch to Defuse is because you got to go back and change all your code to, to make it fit the standardized formats between the two different 
history, uh, I guess, history repositories. Um, but imagine if we came up with a standardized way for history also. Then you could run whatever history solution you wanted to because all of the calls would be the same, but you might be using a completely different tool. It's like building a middleware that it, it's like a code compiler. It could like kind of convert one thing into the other so that it works with everything. Honestly, I don't have anything to add to that. I think the, the examples you gave of why standards are so important and how they can benefit developers and users in so many ways, that was, that was fantastic, well done. So pretty exciting to see this post from Larry talking about social media standards. Obviously, when we have a standard in place, just like we saw with DGoods, there's so much more that can be done because then we can all work together towards the same goal. So super excited about what's happening there. And we will, of course, keep you updated uh, on everything in that arena. But uh, moving past that, we have an update about a recent topic we discussed, which was the Liquid Apps uh, network and the associated VRAM system. And it looks like we now have a launch date for that network, which oh, yeah. uh, I believe is in just a couple days. It looks like we're officially launching on, uh, when is it? Tuesday, Tuesday February 26th. Woo, that's so, I, I saw the date here in the notes and thought, wait a minute, that can't be right, that's too soon. But really it is <laughs> that soon. Flying. Uh, it's wild. Yeah. So that's when the network launches. That's yep. when the token sale launches, which we'll get into. But we'll talk about this a little bit deeper, but who are the DSPs, Rob? Elves. So a DSP, if you're listening, you don't know what that is. It's a DAP service provider. It's kind of like the block producer equivalent for the DAP network. It's the, the people or the entities. You don't have to be a block producer, but you can be, um, who will sort of be processing all those transactions and, and making that network run. Um, What's interesting about it and, and is the, the approach we've taken at Cypherglass is really a wait and see approach. You know, the benefit of this is that the token sale and the network will actually go live at the same time. So before anybody has to buy a DAP token to try to use this network or before anybody even needs to commit to being a DSP, we can actually try the network out for ourselves. So at Cypherglass personally, we are very, very excited about the Liquid Apps DAP network and the DAP token, but we are waiting before we determine if we're gonna buy any of them, before we determine if we're gonna be a DSP. We wanna see the network work. We want to see VRAM live up to its promises, and we'll be able to see that now in uh, the next few days on the 26th. So once that's done, um, I would say expect an announcement from Cypherglass one way or the other on whether or not we will be running a DSP. If I had to guess right now, I would guess that yes, we will be, but I don't wanna make anything official until we get a chance to try it out, make sure everything works as expected, which I expect it will, since the team behind it is pretty uh, uh, legendary. They're sort of an all-star team, um, but we definitely are waiting to see what happens uh, before we commit fully. So I don't even know if I uh, told you this, Rob, on the, our call before the show here, but um, our net, so everyone who watched the Scatter series, we got a great, a lot of great feedback on that series where Pete and I are going to do another uh, one of those conference call type conversations where we're just going to talk about everything and anything. We're going to nerd out uh, with the Liquid Apps team, with, with Tal oh, and Benny, nice. with the CEO oh, and the so CTO of Liquid Apps. Um, we don't have a date set yet. Um, we're just trying to work with each other's schedules. They obviously have their big launch next week. I don't think right. it'll be before their launch. Uh, but it is going to happen and I'm excited one for that conversation and two to share it with everyone. I'm super excited. That's amazing. I'm excited to watch that now and I, I hope yeah. it actually is after their launch because then we can sort of talk about, you know, how the launch went and, and everything like that. I can't wait to watch you guys uh, discuss it. That's super exciting. 
I think we have like this backstory too that's really cool because at the um, EOS hackathon in San Francisco, Peter K was on my team and we were dealing with some very non-typical issue. We were trying to do something weird. I don't remember what it was. I think it had to do with deferred transactions. We had five different mentors come and try to help us troubleshoot this problem. Nobody could help us get through this problem. Then Tao walks over and saves the day. Tao is the only mentor wow. in the entire building. We had block one employees who couldn't fix it. But then, <laughs> then it was a weird problem. So nothing yeah. against anyone who tried, but Tao is the man. Uh, he, um, if you watch the Scatter series, NS James even gave him all the credit for the Bancor protocol, the RAM market pro on the uh, EOS system contract. So I am excited. These are two very, very intelligent people, and they're also very well connected with the EOS IO ecosystem. And I'll try to pick whatever information out of them as I can. So if you, nice. if you have anything you want me to ask them, um, you know where to find me in the Everything EOS Telegram channel. That is t.me front slash everything underscore EOS. Uh, the conversation never stops. Um, awesome. And speaking of the, the Liquid Apps Network, obviously there is this associated DAP token that DAP developers will need to stake towards one DSP or multiple DSPs in order to sort of utilize those resources and actually use the network. And what's interesting about it, you know, that same day that the network actually goes live on the 26th, their token sale will go live. And we found out more about that today as well. And it revolves around two different tracks. So I can kind of dive in here um, and explain the two separate tracks. Uh, essentially, there are two different options. You can either purchase with EOS in one track, um, or you can go separately and purchase with EOS, Bitcoin, ETH, or even fiat in another track, but that track is KYC only, meaning that if you're in the US or China, you won't be able to purchase through that track because they are doing KYC to make sure that you're not in those countries. But both tracks, regardless of which one you go to, will function very similar to the actual original EOSIO token crowd sale that happened on Ethereum uh, back in what was it, 2017 into 2018 before the EOS mainnet launched. And the way it works is essentially they have these 18 hour periods uh, over 333 days, so almost a year. And in that 18 hour period, there are a fixed amount of DAP tokens available for sale. So you can put in as much EOS or as much Bitcoin or whatever it is into that period as you want. But of course, the more tokens that are there trying to be purchased, the higher the price for those individual tokens will be. So for example, if you put in 1% of the total amount of money contributed in an 18 hour period, you would then own 1% of the DAP network tokens from that period and they would be sent to you at the end of that period close. So it'll be super interesting to see kind of in parallel these two tracks, the KYC track and the non-KYC track operating and see the different prices that they make. You know, one would assume that the KYC track might be cheaper because less people are willing to do KYC, but at the same time, maybe they're willing to put in more money. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And then it'll, of course, just like the EOS token sale, it'll be interesting to see how over time, over these 333 days, it'll be interesting to see how the price changes. Does it go up when there's a big announcement about vCPU? Does it go down if VRAM doesn't work for some reason? It'll be really fascinating to watch. And if you want your own, you can check it out over at liquidapps.io and learn more about the token sale there. Um, when, when doing some research leading up to this podcast, I actually, I wasn't aware of this, but there's actually an airdrop also associated with the DAP token. Oh, really? So 10% of their distribution, um, it's an air hodl model. The, the picture I have here in my notes says that the date of the snapshot would be at a later stage, but I'm pretty sure I read something more recently that I don't have in front of me that says the snapshot was taken like four weeks, uh, before whatever blog post I read. And it was kind of like done on a whim so that people couldn't uh, start hodling EOS tokens who typically wouldn't just because right. they wanted DAP tokens. 
So I'm pretty sure that the snapshot was taken. I don't know that for certain, but I am certain that there is some sort of uh, airdrop distribution model where 10% yeah, of all the tokens are going to be distributed to all of us. So if you're running a DAP, you might not have to buy DAP tokens right away. Or if you have a group of people who are all working on the same DAP and you all own a little bit of ES each, maybe you could pull your DAP tokens together and you can start checking out this model for free. It's not starting off as pay to play. Um, I, I don't know uh, the vesting schedule. So that, that's another interesting thing is the vesting schedule um, with this airdrop. Um, the team tokens, the partner tokens, uh, and the airdrop tokens, they all have a two-year vesting period where, where over those two years, they slowly uh, are able to be released. Um, and if you uh, transfer them, I think the, the period stops and you stop uh, accumulating or something. But yeah, it's, that's what's interesting about the air huddle model is that basically if you hold on to those DAP tokens that you're given, you'll continue to get more DAP tokens over what I believe is a six month period. Yes. Um, but if you sell your DAP tokens, for example, then you're out and the tokens that you would have gotten by hodling those DAP tokens will actually go to the people that are still hodling. So it's a cool model, similar to the seed airdrop model, but with a couple uh, minor differences. And the best part about it is they call it their pioneers. So the pioneers of the DAP network or the liquid DAP network, they have the option if they could huddle their tokens and keep accumulating that vesting schedule, they're allowed to use their tokens. They just can't transfer them to other people or try to sell them. As yeah. long as they stay in the original wallet, they could delegate bandwidth in, in whatever ways they want. So that is awesome. I, I can't wait because that opens up so much opportunity. There, ev everyone is a DAP network token holder from day one. You don't have to participate Definitely. in the crowd sale. And we, you could, it, it's a wait and see approach. Just like you said, as a BP, what you're doing as a community, as developers, we're taking a wait and see approach. So that is the Liquid Apps Network. You can check out more at liquidapps.io. We will, of course, be keeping you updated with the DAP Network sale, with the actual launch of VRAM, the later launch of vCPU, everything that's happening. We'll keep you updated here on everything EOS. So make sure to subscribe if you haven't already or uh, follow us wherever you are listening to the podcast. But uh, speaking of upcoming events and, and things that are, are happening, Happening next week, we actually have an event in New York. Uh, this is put on by EOS New York and Galaxy Digital, one of the EOS VC funds. It's an event on February 28th from 6.30 to 9. Uh, and I think that the time may have actually been changed from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. You can take a look uh, at the link in the description for more info on that event or see the overlay for watching on YouTube. But I will actually be at that EOS New York event February 28th. So if you're in New York City, you want to stop by, you want to meet me, you want to meet the EOS New York guys, the Galaxy guys, so many other people from the EOS community will be at this event. So if you're there, please stop by and say hello. Uh, you know what I look like. So I, I, I also got to gotta give a shout out to the third person speaking at the event, Rob Benke from Team Nougat. Yeah. Uh, the winner of the EOS hackathon in San Francisco, building the decentralized GitHub. Uh, they've got some big announcements coming up next week too. R Rob Ooh. was nice. Rob was nice enough to tease me that he, he made an announcement about an announcement to me in a private message, but then he wouldn't <laughs> tell me what the damn announcement was. That's awesome. Well, <laughs> but I can't I, wait I, to see what that that actually is. I'm the only one from the Everything EOS team not going to be there. Rob's going to be there. Uh, Peter K from the EOS Developer Series is going to be there, and also our, our community admin uh, John Peterson. Uh, I think he said he's going to try to make it out there as well. Um, so yeah, you, you might be able to uh, meet a lot of the team, but everyone else there is. Um, interesting people to meet as well. Nice, that's super exciting. I can't wait to see uh, everybody out there next week in New York. So uh, coming out, you do have to register for the event. I think it's five bucks, but that cost goes to EOS New York for them to continue doing these events. So just a little fee to, to pay for the, the free food and drink uh, that I'm sure they'll have there. So looking forward to seeing everybody. Should be a uh, fun time.
All right. So I guess next week you'll see some people next week on the podcast and you'll see some people next week in person. But I think this is a good spot to wrap up. So once again, I'm Zach Gall. I'm Rob Finch. And this is everything EOS. Go EOS! Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>